Sarah Trott, and welcome to the fourth trimester podcast. I'm a new mama, and this podcast is all about postpartum care for the first few months following birth, the time period also known as the fourth trimester. My postpartum doula, Esther Gallagher, is my co-host. She's a mother, grandmother, perinatal educator, birth and postpartum care provider. Fourth trimester care, our topic, is about the practical, emotional, and social support parents and baby require. And importantly, it helps set the tone for the continuing journey of parenting. Hi, welcome back to the fourth trimester podcast. I'm Sarah Trott, and I am so excited that I have Esther Gallagher, my co-host with me today. Hi, Esther. Hi, Sarah. Glad to be back. Yeah, I'm so thrilled that we're back together again. It's been a long time, so this is a bit of a special reunion episode. And for this episode, we're going to talk all about the topic of what doulas do. We're going to spend a lot of time focusing on postpartum doulas in particular. So that's going to be our topic. And so anyone who is curious about this topic, what doulas do, how they help you, uh, any questions like that, if we don't answer your questions, reach out to us afterwards and we can help answer your follow-ups. We are on Instagram. We are on TikTok now as well. You can find us at Fourth Trimester Podcast. So you can look for our handle and our website is fourthtrimesterpodcast.com. So come check us out. We're also on Facebook. (laughs) Yes. So Esther, you've been a doula for how long? Well, I've been a doula in San Francisco since 1992. And I started out in the city doing specifically postpartum care. I was quickly recruited through uh, to be a childbirth educator and then quickly recruited by my students to be a birth doula. And prior to that, I had uh, training as a home birth midwife. So um, so all my sort of skills and parent and I was a parent by that time as well. So um, so all of those things sort of coalesced into the larger um, topic of being called a doula. And I've been a parent for 46 of those. What called me to be a doula? Well, the universe called me pretty early. When I was about eight years old, I started getting very curious about my own having been born and my mom's stories of giving birth and, you know, did she breastfeed and all that kind of stuff. So um, my mom was great. You know, she just, she always just gave me the facts and you know, always had a little bit of feeling in there about things, but without ever, um, no heavy handed, like fear or anything like that. And so, um, so I had opinions quite early myself about how, how babies get born and (laughs) what would be nice for babies. My mom said to me, I wish I'd had two kids at home, but nobody did that when I was having you. And I was like, I'm having my kids at home, (laughs) you know, and I, you know, I wanted to breastfeed you, but it wasn't working out. And, um, and I was like, I'm going to (laughs) breastfeed. So, so I learned, you know, by kind of jumping in and doing those things like, oh yeah, this is, this is another way to do things. It's valid. It's, supported and nice. And, um, and all of these things are still challenging. You know, it's not like you get out of it. If you choose something over another thing, it's still parenting is 
an individual and collective journey that we're going to take if we choose to. And it's, it's a big thing. Um, and I recognized how, at least in my mind, uh, having not experienced the difference, how little support there was, both familial and, and community support for pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and parenting in general. Um, how, how little there had been for my own parents and how that hadn't changed at all when I decided to become parent. So all of those were my motivations. Thanks for asking, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you, Esther. I hired you as my doula for birth and then postpartum as well. I didn't know what a postpartum doula was. So let's answer that question next. So sure. in your own words, Esther, what is a postpartum doula? A postpartum doula is a helping person. Doesn't have, doesn't, gender is not necessary in this space at all. Who shows up to provide care to the new family while they are healing and recovering and adjusting to early parenthood. And there are different ways that, that people who call themselves postpartum doulas operate in that space. Um, there are night doulas who show up 10 to six and are happy to just take over baby care for the night and have you sleep. Maybe they bring the baby to you for breastfeeds if that's, or body feeds, whatever you're doing. Um, maybe they feed your baby alternatively with a bottle or some something like that while you're sleeping. Um, that's not what I do. And um, then there are daytime doulas. That's sort of the broad categories. Daytime doulas are people who are going to show up during daytime hours and help with things like the practical meal preparation, laundry, errands. But in my opinion, more importantly, show up for you with the actual healing and recovery, both physiological, but also emotional, social healing and recovery period. So beginning as early as the day you give birth, um, uh, or the day you come home from the hospital, if you've had a hospital birth, or sometime soon after, a postpartum daytime doula is going to show up in your home and offer you social, emotional, and physiological care and support with meal preparation, um, uh, sits bath preparation if you've uh, delivered vaginally, um, comfort measures like something as simple as a light kind of lymphatic style massage for your legs if your legs are swollen as a result of overhydration or surgery or something of that nature. Um, uh, they're going to show up to do these things, whether it's feeding you or getting you into a sitz bath or massaging your legs, perhaps while you're feeding your baby 
all of those things can happen, by the way, while you're feeding your baby. Um, and be present, emotionally present, to listen, to offer emotional support of whatever kind, a hug, <laughs> you know, just being held sometimes is what we need in this moment, right? Um, to maybe beyond that, think about what other resources would be available to you right now that might be really, really helpful, whether it's, you know, therapeutic. So maybe a counselor, maybe some body work of some sort, be it anything from acupuncture to massage to any number of things. Maybe it's, um, fresh air and sunshine, you know, maybe you just have felt so locked down indoors that you need nature therapy. So how is, how do we get that happening appropriately so that you're not setting yourself back physiologically, but can enjoy the therapeutic nature of, of any of these things. Um, and the list goes on in terms of possible resource and referral there. Um, making sure your basic human needs are met. Uh, so often parents set aside their, their own physiological and emotional needs while taking care of a baby. They get so subsumed under baby care that they just forget literally to drink enough fluids. So hopefully your postpartum care provider is somebody who attends to that and helps you see whether, oh gosh, you know, actually I felt so depressed. I was dehydrated. You know, maybe you just feel better. And then there's the issue that we always come back to, which is sleep. And which is why I see so many people concerned to pay a lot of money for a nighttime doula, thinking that that's going to cure their sleep problems as a new parent. And for some people, maybe it does. Um, but I think learning to sleep while your baby sleeps, learning to rest when your body is telling you with some clear signals that you're probably ignoring. No, no, I actually need to lay flat right now. I need to put down the phone, turn off the movies, the television, you know, do the things that are going to make for me getting the physiological rest that I require. If you, you can't do this with four hours, right, Sarah? Like mm -hmm. you quickly start to erode. And unfortunately, what I find is parents start to focus on the baby as the cause, right? Rather than just a co- conspirator in this <laughs> family space of like, we all need sleep and we all need food and we all need the things and we need to adjust our expectations around how those things come to us when there's a new baby who's doesn't work a nine to fiver and then sleep from 10 to six, right? Like that's not what they can do. So, um, and then the other thing I think uh, a postpartum provi care provider can 
can help with is a, a sense of empowerment around making parenting decisions. So often we're, a, we're kind of tuned to who's the expert that I can throw this problem at, get the prescription and fill it out, right? Versus what is my gut, my heart, a little bit of my brain <laughs> telling me around how to respond in this situation with these people. And uh, of course, people with a lot of knowledge and experience come in really handy if we're really out to see and need somebody who can reel us in and say, okay, little fish out of water. <laughs> you know, how about we try this, this, and this? Um, but often what we need is help with just quieting down enough so that we can be present and bring our intuition to bear around how do I be with this new little body? How do I be in a, if I'm in a triad there's or, or bigger, you know, who are the other people who are part of this family who are, involving themselves in this moment or choosing not to involve themselves in ways that feel difficult for me. Right. Uh, we, we ha may have had expectations and now those aren't being met. How do we work with that? So yeah, all of that is actual and potential things that a postpartum care provider might help with. Thank you. It's such a wide array of potential support, mm -hmm. practical support in the home with meals or cleaning or holding baby while mom goes to take a shower, that kind of thing. Mental, emotional support, having someone to talk to, having someone to hold their hand, having someone to uh, ask questions if you're feeling unsure about what the doctor or a nurse or someone else has said, providing that sounding board for additional information. It just, it's quite a lot. And uh, <laughs> it's surprising to me. There are a lot of people who still have never really heard of this or this concept. Um, and they get so surprised when they are gifted some support and how much they love it and how valuable it is. So I can't emphasize this enough. If you think you even have an inkling that it might be helpful, just try it because <laughs> it will probably blow you out of the water <laughs> and you won't be able to imagine what life was like without it. And it's not something everyone can afford and access. And I understand that. So it's really, you know, if you're in a position to do it, um, I would also urge the United States to start accepting this care as part of a part of a formal health care service uh, that's provided to parents because it's really, really valuable um, and helps support parents and families in lots of different ways. They have it in other countries. Yes. It, it, it does exist as a cultural feature all over the world. It's just us that says, nope, we don't value this enough to provide it to every family, mm. um, which is very sad. Oh, and along those lines, Sarah, I always like to include in this podcast what, what our friends and family can do for us. Mm -hmm. So... Maybe you have friends and family who you would ask for these forms of support, maybe not all in one person, but maybe there's somebody that you really like 
how they approach food and you know it's super nourishing and you can ask them, hey, would you be willing to cover meals for me one way or the other for two to six weeks while I'm healing and recovering? Hey, I really love your touch. We've always had a nice intimate relationship. Would you be willing to stop in once or twice a week while I'm healing and recovering and just to show up and snuggle my body a little bit, help me feel a little physically better. Um, or, you know, everyone has, everyone can have a registry for a baby shower. You don't need a lot of baby clothes. They grow out of them really fast. You don't need fancy doodads. You don't need a lot of flowers even. <laughs> Those things are all nice. But maybe people who've been invited to be part of gifting you, showering you with gifts would be willing to coalesce a fund that helps pay for somebody who's got these, um, this base of knowledge and skills and is able to come in and, and be the person for the new parents. I also mm -hmm. want to mention, um, uh, you know, some partners are super in there and don't need a lot of uh, coaching around what to do, right? They're just making sure things are covered and they're snuggling in and they're supporting feeding the baby and, and all the things. And as we say, like, it's been more than 30 years that I've been doing this and I still see the same recurrence of partners who just are kind of blown out of the water by the whole event of, of birth, um, haven't really figured themselves out in it at all. And I think that often the MO there is to just move away, right? Just move away. A postpartum doula who's comfortable with it can be a person who can help you move in, right? Mm. Like with simple little things like, oh, why don't you just sit beside each other while that baby's getting fed? And, oh, here's, you're not comfortable with, with burping that baby in between breaths? Like, let me help you get comfortable with that. Um, I see you feel a little awkward with the diaper changes. What if we try this? Want to try that? You know, <laughs> these little teenies somewhat silly from the standpoint of they're just little tasks to most people or feel like just a tacit thing that has to get done. You burp the baby, you change the baby, right? You feed the baby. These are the ways that we make connection. Mm. And if we're feeling like we're not skillful at those things, we're clumsy, we're worried, we're anxious about how to do them without you know, maybe it's really hard for us when we hear a baby cry. Um, we need help, hmm. right? Because this is where a relationship begins. And, you know, our children benefit from a sense of safety in the presence of parents, right? Like, oh, this person has me. They they're comfortable. They're not skyrocketing into anxiety. They can, you know, handle a little snuggling and holding and burping and changing. 
So I think starting there and going from there with resource for, for parents, right? Resource support if, the, if it's a deeper thing that needs to be addressed by maybe a more professional uh, in the field of psychotherapy or something of that nature. Your mm-hmm. postpartum doula is going to be a resourceful person who is willing to find resource for you if they don't have it in their back pocket for you already. So um, again, this is a family affair. It's not only for the birth giver or again, we've talked about adoptive parents on this, on this podcast. Not everybody comes to the presence of a tiny baby and feels comfortable with it, regardless of their gender identity. So we can help. Yes. It's almost like the postpartum doula is acting like the quarterback, helping observe <laughs> everything, call some shots, help give some coaching, some support mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully you don't end up feeling like the football at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. You feel the like the guy player. dancing, doing the touchdown dance at the end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah, I think there's a lot to kind of sort out and it doesn't have to be all at once. You know, you're going to be a parent for the rest of your life now that you've done this thing. So, you know, this is your parenting journey. It's a long one, presumably, Um, not for everybody, but for most people. And little by little, you're working it out. And there are people in this world who, who have made it part of what they do to guide and support you. Lovely. Esther, let's talk through a day in the life of a doula. So let's say you're going to visit someone. What is that like? So come in the door, wash my hands after maybe greeting the dog who wants attention first. (laughs) Um, Wash my hands, say hello, and do kind of a broad observation, right? Like, What's going on in this space a little bit? Um, Is it super tidy? Is it super not tidy? Now, no judgments about either, but that's information, right? Somebody has been spending time doing this. Who? (laughs) Was it mom who's still bleeding and hasn't gotten a milk supply up to speed yet? Right? Like, okay, then that's something I know I'm going to need to massage a little. Um, The next thing I want to know is, uh, are people getting fed and watered, right? When's the last time parents had some food? Make a note of that. Is next thing very important on the agenda, very high on the agenda, but co-located with do parents eat is when's the last time the baby fed and what's the baby doing? Is this a baby who's sleeping? Is this a baby who's showing feeding cues and needs to be fed, but parents aren't really aware of that yet? They haven't quite figured out what's a feeding cue. Um, So breastfeeding support is high on the list when it's appropriate, when baby's in a state of readiness. Is this baby a baby who's going to show readiness? If not, then we have another way that we're going to be addressing feeding this baby. That's a whole topic for a podcast, which we will do. Um, What's sleep been like? 
Let's talk about that, right? Well, maybe during a breastfeed. And then, of course, um, somewhere in there, I probably will have thrown a pot of water on the stove to make this sits bath herb tea that's going to go in the bathtub for birth giver to soak in and do another breastfeed during that. Or maybe I just leave him alone quietly with a snack, <laughs> a little mini meal to just chill out and get some time to themselves. Um, and maybe while that's happening, I'm doing a download with the partner and finding out like, how are you coping? How are things going for you? Is there anything that's particularly um, maybe a little stressful for you on in this zone? Uh, is there something you'd like to feel like you could be better handling? Uh, let's talk about that. Um, and in the case where everyone can settle in for a little snooze, I'm also preparing food in that space. Now, I managed to hit all those notes in a three-hour visit. Um, that includes maybe having thrown a load in the laundry and switched it out to the dryer. Or on a day when that's not happening, maybe done a little folding. So kind of depends on what's presenting and what feels most pressing. I'm not going to fold laundry if I have parents who are in a feeding crisis between either their babies or themselves, right? That I'm going to point myself at basic human needs first and foremost, sleep, food, mm -hmm. sleep, food, sleep, food, right? Those are primary. If we're not hitting those notes, things go crummy quickly, right? So, um, and, and all those other things get attended to in the time that I have, almost always. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is a three-hour visit pretty typical then? For me, it is. Um, I, I would not say that that's common for other uh, doulas, I think it starts at three and goes up to eight. You know, some doulas are doing eight hour days or nights, as we talked about um, mm -hmm. during the, the span that they're doing. And, you know, some are, are starting right in there, hitting the ground running and everyday visits until everybody's on an even keel, which starts to feel true around two weeks for most families, even mm -hmm. keel being, we're ready for, we're ready for action. We understand that, you know, this is a very dynamic thing we're doing. Um, and, you know, bleeding and breastfeeding and, you know, body things are pretty even keeled. And if not, we've started addressing them with, with further therapeutic modes. Um, I think the physiological window for healing and recovery is really six weeks commonly. And so it makes sense for a lot of people to just plan for that, especially if they have no other resources going in. Um, and then we, you know, the fourth trimester is, we tend to think of it as a three month span. And for some people, they're really gonna need a wing person for that much, maybe not every day, right? Maybe it becomes every other day or twice a week as, as we go by. 
Um, but yeah, that's kind of the different, different ways to kind of imagine and think about what, what kind of care and how much care do I imagine I need? And these are all discussions to have with the person that you call up and interview uh, about possibly being your doula. Okay, great. So maybe something we can do is add a list on our show notes here of good doula interview questions. So go to our site. We'll put that there. And I wanted to see if there's anything else you want to touch on. Well, I think um, just circling back to how available it is in some ways in our culture to kind of relinquish um, a kind of power and agency around parenting. Mm. And hopefully your postpartum care provider is somebody who helps you sort out and reinforce your intuition, your power in, in agency around parenting for this journey um, and isn't coming in with a lot of shoulds. It uh, helps you explore alternative ways of looking at the same thing and, you know, kind of supports you in feeling literally somatically in your body, feeling for what's my impulse here, right? And not shutting that down because most of the time it's a pretty good impulse, right? And if you feel as though your impulses can't be trusted, let's talk about how do we get closer to the kinds of impulses that can be trusted. You know, I, I've just had the opportunity and the pleasure of watching parents grab hold and say, you know, I know that that expert over there is recommending this, but I feel like this baby and me, we need something different. And, and this is what feels right for us. So I say thumbs up to them. <laughs> That's a great note for us to end on. And we'll wrap up here. Thank you so much, Esther. It's really great to be chatting with you again today. Yay. Thanks, Sarah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs> You can subscribe to this podcast in order to hear more from us. Thank you for listening, everyone, and I hope you'll join us next time on the fourth trimester. The theme music on this podcast was created by Sean Trott. Hear more at soundcloud.com slash Sean Trott. Special thanks to my true loves, my husband Ben, daughter Penelope, and baby girl Evelyn. Don't forget to share the fourth trimester podcast with any new and expecting parents. I'm Sarah Trott. Goodbye for now.